All right. Okay, log jam up here. Now, any kids heading down to a youth church, you can head down that way. And um, if you didn't take communion, you can take communion during the sermon if you want to. And uh, <clears throat> all right. Um, one more announcement. Um, <clears throat> next Sunday is uh, a fifth Sunday. A fifth Sunday. So there is a potluck or to be a potluck after church next Sunday. And on fifth Sundays, the kids are not dismissed down to kids' church, but they stay in here and uh, try to do a sermon that they'll be able to uh, relate to, right? And so anybody ever been to one of those before? It's a, okay, it's a really quiet in here. It's kind of seem, yeah, a little bit quiet in here. Okay, here, here we go. Let's get started. Um, if uh, you've been around here the last couple weeks, you know that uh, we are in this uh, sermon series that I have entitled uh, The Truth About Living. And uh, we talked a little bit about um, uh, having bad habits and kind of how to overcome them. Last week we talked about uh, the fact that bad habits can even cause some depression and uh, we can have uh, bouts of depression and things like that. And um, this morning, uh, what we're going to talk about is how to ultimately how to be close to God. How to be close to God? Does God uh, want us close to Him? And uh, an analogy that I used, um, illustration that I used a few uh, weeks back, was this idea of um, you ever gone to the swimming pool, right? And there's a difference between being at the pool and being in the pool, right? We can be on the edge, we can be all around it, we can look at the people that are in the pool, uh, but we are not necessarily in the pool. We can be at the pool but not in the pool. And we said it's the same way with our Christian faith their Christian faith. And uh, the truth about life is, is that God is very interested in uh, the relationship that he has with us in our faith. God is interested in that. And uh, because of that, uh, God does not want us to be at church. He wants us to be in Christ because we can be at church, but not in Christ. When, uh, and when you get into the waters of the pool, uh, you're floating and the water's holding you up and it's sustaining you and, and uh, you're kind of uh, resting and uh, dependent on an, uh, another force that's holding you up and sustaining you right in the water. So in the pool versus at the pool. And so God wants us to be not just at church, but in Christ in every part of our life. That's what he wants for us. And unfortunately, when it comes to our faith, when it comes to our faith, uh, sometimes people treat their faith Faith. Truth about life is, is that God wants to be connected to us in our faith, have a good faith relationship with Him. But sometimes we treat our faith uh, like life insurance. Life insurance, right? Everybody wants a really good life insurance. They want to know that in the, uh, the untimely death that their family will be taken care of and they'll be able to, you know, kind of take peace and comfort in the fact that uh, everything is taken care of uh, because you have good life insurance. The thing about life insurance is uh, you always want a good policy, uh, but you want to live your entire life and you never want to use it, right? You want to have it, but not use it. You want to have it, but not use it. And unfortunately, that's often how people live out their Christian faith, right? They want to have it. They just hope they don't have to use it. They want to have it, but they hope they don't have to use it. Because usually, uh, too often in our lives, using our Christian faith means somehow the wheels have fallen off the cart, we're down in the ditch, and then all of a sudden it's, oh, God, help, right? And uh, so we want to have it, we just don't want to use it. Because if we use it, it might mean that we want to do this thing over here, but God's kind of tapping us on the shoulder, and he's saying, uh, you don't want to do that. 
All right? And so we have it, but we don't want to use it. And, but God is interested in this thing. God is interested in this thing. Uh, he doesn't want to just at the pool. He wants us in Christ. Um, God doesn't look at our faith as I want you to have it and own it and, and it'll take care of you, but I don't want you to use it. What God is interested in is relationship. Relationship with us. That we are in him and he is in us and that wherever we go and whatever we do, we are in relationship with him. The truth about life is that God is interested in having a personal faith relationship with us as we go through life. That's the truth about life. I want to, uh, I want to read some Bible passages to you. Uh, that make this point so strong that we don't like these Bible verses. They make this so strong and so pointed, we don't like these because they make us feel guilty too often about the relationship that we don't have and should have, or the relationship that we do have but we know is dysfunctional. The truth about life is, is that God wants to have a relationship with you. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you will teach us, that you will convict us, that you will draw us into you, that this will be a teachable moment, that we leave here today, uh, we won't be filled with guilt, but we will be motivated to be closer to you. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Revelation chapter 3, verse 16. So because you are lukewarm, this is Jesus. He's kind of talking to us. He's talking to his church. He's talking to his people. Uh, are you one of his people? Look around the room. Y'all know him, right? So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Is your faith... Lukewarm. Is it lukewarm? Uh, is it does it does it run hot, or is it indifferent? Is it lukewarm? That's not what God wants. God is not interested in us having a lukewarm relationship with Him. He wants us to be in Him, not on the side, sort of looking in. And it, it's real clear. Paul makes this really, really, really clear in this very, very powerful passage in Hebrews chapter 10. So are we in him or are we close to him? In him or close to him? Because it says, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejects the law of Moses in the Old Testament died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Well, everything in the Old Testament and that sacrificial law and all of those things, the burdens of having to make blood sacrifices over and over and over again, that's all gone. And Jesus made the last sacrifice. Verse 28. Anyone who rejects the law of Moses died without mercy 
on the testimony of two or three witnesses. But then 29 says, how much more severe do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified him, and who has insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, It is mine to avenge. I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. God's making it very clear that the way he views being in Christ, being at church, his son is not a joke. And we are not to take him lightly because of the cost and the price that was paid for what was done for us. Listen to this in the book of Matthew 25. When the Son of Man comes in his glory at the second coming... And all of the angels with him, he will sit on the throne in the heavenly glory. It says, All of the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another, as shepherds separate sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed. By my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. God desires a close relationship to him. He doesn't want us to look at him like he's an insurance policy and yeah, yeah, he's there. And he doesn't want us to look at him and say, well, I'm, I'm here, aren't I? No, he wants us to jump in and be a part of him. You ever skip a rock? You ever skip a rock? Anybody ever skip a rock? You ever skip a rock? Anybody? Anybody out there? You skipped a rock, right? And so what happens? And so you roar back and you find that, that nice kind of flat or rounded rock and you, and you chuck it out there as hard as you can and then it skips. And it, it has inertia. It has this that's sort of momentum that's been given to it, right? And it's got weight and it has mass, so it's going to carry for a certain amount of time. But every time it kind of hits the water, there's some drag there. And so it's going to be able to go on its own power as long as it can until it starts to sort of get drugged down. And then finally, it's going to sort of give up and go in, right? I think maybe we live our Christian walk that way. As we want to go by our own power and our own momentum, and we'll dip our toe into the pool of Christ every once in a while, and, and maybe we'll kind of stand there and, on the edge and dip our toe in, and, and we're, we're lukewarm, right? We're, uh, we're one foot on the, on the edge and one foot in the pool, and, and, and then eventually things get to a place in our life where it gets so hard, finally, we're willing to just take it. All right, God, I'm in. I'm in. And what God desires is that we would always be in him. But there's hindrances to a relationship 
with God that we face. Write these down. Hindrances to a relationship. One of them is simply a lack of commitment. James chapter 4 verse 2 says, You do not have because you do not ask God. Well, if you're, if you're living or you're sort of standing on the edge and one toes in, there's times that we just really were not interested in jumping all the way in. Because if I jump all the way in, that's going to mean that I have to change some behavior in my life and I'm really not interested in doing that. Or I'm going to have to go forgive somebody that I don't want to uh, forgive. Or I'm going to have to write out a check and give it to the church that I don't want to write out and give to the church. And that God's going to convict me in some way. And so I'm just, it's uh, better for me to stand uh, here and sort of keep my weight on my foot and just put my toe over there and but it's a lack of commitment. James tells us that. And we do not have because we do not ask God. Or sometimes it's just spiritual laziness and it hinders a relationship that we have. The book of Luke chapter 22 verse 44 says, And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. Who was praying this prayer? He prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Jesus was arrested. They went off to the, or while, just before he was arrested, while he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was praying. And he must have been thinking about what was before him, right? And, and the physical part that we can relate to and understand that he would have been thinking about before him is this idea that he was going to be uh, nailed to a cross. Um, but before he was going to get there, uh, he was going to be beaten with whips, and he was going to be struck with rods, and he was going to be punched in the face. He was going to have his beard plucked out. They were going to spit on him. They're going to take a crown of thorns and kind of squish it down into his scalp and his skull. And, and those are the physical things that he knew he was about to face. But he also understood that he was going to be receiving the punishment for every sin that you and you and you and you and you and me and me and me and me and me, and me have ever committed it's going to be on him. And he prayed so earnestly that he sweat blood. Spiritual laziness. Spiritual laziness. When we think about the example that Christ set for us and that we are to be following in his footsteps and these things hinder our relationship with God. We have a lack of a commitment. There's spiritual laziness. And then we pray selfishly. When we pray, James chapter four, verse three, it says, and when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasure. And so often, you know, our prayers are, um, God, you know, we don't want that person to have any pain and that person to have any trouble and we don't want any pain. We don't want any trouble. And really what we'd really like, God, is a bigger, cushier, lazy boy with a nice remote control and the bag of our favorite snacks right in our lap. And that's the way we want to go through life, God. And if you'll just make it so we can go through life that way. We pray selfishly. There's sin in our lives. Isaiah chapter 59 verse 2 says, But your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. So with the sins that we dabble in, and we talked about those things, there's 
addictive behavior and they get us and they hook us and then we feel that guilt and because we feel that guilt the easiest thing to go back to is that dopamine hit that we have been talking about that can take place and so there's sin in our life and then there's also this an unforgiving spirit mark chapter 11 verse 25 says and when you stand praying if you hold anything against anyone forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. We, sometimes we don't want to get close to God because we know that means we're going to have to do business with God and that business that God's going to have us do is going to be some relational piece that we just don't want to deal with. Other hindrances are this. Not reading your Bible. Proverbs says, if anyone turns a deaf ear to the law, and the Old Testament law would be all things of Scripture or all things that God's teaching us, and so for us it would be the Bible, if anyone turns a deaf ear to reading Scripture and pouring that into their life, even as prayers are detestable. And so God wants to be in a relationship with us. He wants to be in a relationship with us. And so um, every once in a while I get to teach uh, at Kids Club and uh, I get to prepare a lesson for them that makes sense to me. And so look at this picture. And so what do all these things have in common? Communication. Communication. That's right. So um, they're all uh, they're all forms of right in which people talk to each other, and so communication, 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 and so uh, God clearly wants to have a relationship with us. He wants that, and so how does one have a relationship with anybody? You have to communicate with them. If you're not communicating with someone, you have no relationship with them, right? Uh, you, can, you can learn and study uh, everything there is to learn and study about Abraham Lincoln. You can go down to Springfield, and you can go down there, and you can, you can look at things that, uh, that he wore, and you can look at things that he carried around in his pockets, and you can go to places where he has been, but none of us have a relationship with Abraham Lincoln, right? We can learn about him. We don't have a relationship with them. You can read your Bible, never meet them. And so in order to have a relationship with God, we have to communicate with God. The only way that we have to communicate God is through Scripture and prayer. When we spend time talking with God. My wife was a lifeguard for a long time and um, she can tell you many, many stories about uh, dozens of people that she literally pulled up out of the water that were sinking. They'd get out there and they would go under and so um, sinking, had to go in, had to go in in order to, to see. Sometimes we want to stand on the edge of the pool. We might know that we've got to get in there. Maybe the person that needs to be saved is ourself. Um, you could stand on the edge and you could yell, you know, kick harder. <laughs> no, don't inhale the water, right? You, you, could, you could do those things, but sometimes the only way to, to, to save is to get in, to get in, to rescue. And that's us. When we're on the edge and we're not in Christ... We're dead. We're detached. We're separated. 
And we have to jump in. Both feet. And that starts with a relationship that comes with communicating regularly and faithfully to God. It's called prayer. It's about having a prayer life. The benefits of praying. Write this down. One, bolder commitment. You're going to have a bolder commitment. The book of Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 says, Ask and it will be given to you. The question then becomes, what are you asking for? Are you praying to be more faithful and more connected uh, to Christ? Is that what you're praying for, to be faithful in prayer? Are you praying to be more zealous in your prayers? And are you praying uh, to, uh, to grow in your relationship that you will stay in with Christ? Or do you just want to skip, be in, be in Christ? And so pray for a bolder commitment. And the benefit of prayer is this. Another benefit is that you will then have a zeal for Christ. Romans chapter 12, verse 11 and 12 say, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep, and he goes on and he lists a thing. He says, a faith will keep faithful in prayer. And so when we're staying faithful in prayer, we're staying more connected and closer to Christ. It just works that way. When we spend time asking God to help us and to help others, we're staying more connected to Christ. In fact, the disciples... Did you know we have something big time in common with the disciples? The disciples, uh, you think about, you know, Matthew, and you think about uh, Mark, and uh, you think about, you know, Peter, James, and John, and and Thomas, and and what is something that they needed to know that we need to know? Uh, The disciples went up to Jesus, and they said, Jesus, will you teach us to pray? Teach us uh, to pray. And Jesus says, okay, I'm going to teach you to pray, right? And um, and this is what he had to say, okay? So when we pray, and when when we're uh, seeking to be more committed and connected to Christ, and when we're seeking for zeal for Christ, and we begin to pray, and he teaches us this, what, what should we pray? Well, uh, pray seeking Christ's kingdom to come. That's the way Jesus taught it. In the book of Luke, chapter 11, verse 2, he said to them, when they said, will you teach us to pray? He says, and when you pray, Father, holy is your name, and your kingdom come. So when we pray, we are to ask, God, please help me to advance your kingdom. That's what we pray. Your kingdom come, not mine, but yours be done. And he goes right on, and then he wants us to pray when we pray for a reduction in our sin. He wants us to pray that we would reduce uh, the frequency uh, of our sin. Matthew chapter 6, verse 13 says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, we know that the devil is constantly, he's got a big fishing pole with a big old hook on it, and he's always got, he's got the perfect bait on the end of the thing, and he's always throwing that thing right out in front of us. Or, oh, you know, and I, I like that, I want that, you know. And we think that we can get the bait but not get the hook, but we get the hook. And so we're to pray against that. We pray that we would reduce our sin and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then there's also the benefit of sin is that we have a willingness to forgive. Luke chapter 11 verse 4 says, Forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who sins against us. When we spend more time in prayer. Another benefit is this. Better understanding of the Bible. James chapter 1 verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to him. And so we pray and we read our Bible 
and we get closer to God. To be in Christ is to have a prayer life. So, practical step number one. Make a prayer list. Make a prayer list. Make a prayer list. Pray for people. I've told you all of my lists uh, already many times. I've told you my list. I pray for my bus route. Um, and uh, I, I can name all the kids on my bus route. And uh, I go through that bus route and I pray for them. And that's a list that I pray for. Uh, some of those kids uh, come to Kids Club and I get to pray for them. Um, I pray for uh, my family. That's an easy one. I just kind of go through all of my kids. And then I go through uh, my, uh, my in-laws. And I pray for my family. It's just a list of people that's an easy list uh, to pray for. And then I'm prompted. You know, there's times when I'll be praying for a kid on my bus or I'll be praying for a family member. And then that will make me think, oh, I need to get a hold of them about X, Y, or Z. And, uh, and so I can shoot them a text. And, I, and what I mean by that is specifically spiritually. Um, that I'll reach out to them because uh, Christ has uh, convicted me in that way. And so I'll send them a text. Uh, maybe it'll be a Bible verse or something like that. And uh, I sent my mother-in-law a, a book and uh, just trying to always keep the uh, the pump kind of pumping uh, uh, spiritually, uh, all of those things. And when you spend time in prayer, those things are going to be more at the forefront uh, of your mind. I, um, I told you guys before I pray for you, uh, most of you sit in the same place every week, and so I told you when I'm on the treadmill, it's easy to just kind of uh, make my way through here, and, and, and I pray for you guys, and um, so you make a list. You pray. Um, I think if we were to go around the room and say, has God ever answered one of your prayers? I think everybody in the room would say, uh, yeah, I can think of an incident where this just this was just an answer to prayer. It was an answer to prayer. I think we could all do that. Probably if we went around the room and said, could you pray more? Probably everybody in the room would say, yeah. Yeah, I can. I can. I can pray more. Um, I, I pray in the car. I'm driving. Not always, not every time, but when I'm at my best, I turn the radio off. And, uh, and I pray. Um, like I said, on the treadmill, I pray. Um, got this little hot tub in our basement, little inflatable thing. Sometimes I just sit in that and pray. And it feels good to be drawn into the presence of Christ. To know that you're turning things over to God who is bigger and better and beyond us. The truth about life is, is that God wants to have a friendship and a relationship that we're just before him with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we're connected to him, and that we set aside time for him. God wants us to be close to him. God is a forgiving God. He wants us to repent and turn to him, and he wants to be connected to us. I hope that you'll take that as a challenge to be more connected to Christ through prayer, that you'll do that. First step is to accept Christ, to be baptized into Christ, to accept him as your Lord and your Savior. If you've done that, then live for Christ. Jump in both feet. Let's pray. 
Father, thank you for the way you teach us and come alongside us and love us. Father, we ask that you will help us to experience your forgiveness, which would prompt us to be fully willing to draw closer to you. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. I've heard him say before to live just like you're dying, yeah. Wish I could say this how I am, but I've been lying, yeah. Lying in my bed at night, I want too many times I'm thinking, what if? Cause miles away from what I spent my life chasing after Is my story gonna have the same two words in every chapter?